You are listening to episode 1541 of the Permaculture Podcast with Scott Mann, a listener-supported program. If you enjoy listening to guests share their passions while you pursue your own, visit the Contribute tab at thepermaculturepodcast.com to see how you can help the show keep going and growing. Today's the discussion recorded live at the Riverside Project outside of Charlestown, West Virginia. My guests are Nicole Luttrell of Deeply Rooted Design, Jesse Weiner of Liberty Root Farm, Ashley Davis, a permaculture design certified herbalist who runs Meadowsweet Botanicals, and Diane Bluest, a former government employee, starting her own permaculture homestead called Chicory Hill Farm. As we begin, I give thanks to Permi Kids and Jen Mendez for sponsoring the episode of the podcast and helping to make trips like this one possible. Find out more about her work on educating future generations and building community, a recurring theme in this episode, at permikids.com or by visiting the Sponsors tab at thepermaculturepodcast.com and clicking on her banner. Here is part one of the Riverside Project Roundtable. Join me afterwards for the upcoming release schedule and how to contact the show. If we might begin with you, Nicole, with a bit of your biography and background, how you came to this work, and we can take the conversation from there. Sure. Thanks for uh, having us here. Excited to be here. At this point, what I'm doing is I have an edible and natural landscaping business that's around the kind of Frederick County, Maryland area. And in addition, my husband and I ended up buying a farm this past winter up in Thermont, Maryland, where we are really trying to you know, live the rest of our lives embracing permaculture there. So that's sort of my, our long-term vision. And uh, I can't come to it, I guess, through kind of a series of, you know, just of evolution throughout my life of, I was always interested in nature and ended up kind of just really getting into environmental issues and local food in college. And I kind of went through like sort of a little bit of angry time of like, this is so frustrating, so much bad stuff's happening to the world. And I think permaculture was, you know, sort of my positive outlet that I found of like, this is actually a real like something that I can do with my life. Um, and this is addressing our, like how to survive, you know, how to live. And so I ended up, you know, doing some work with rain gardens and uh, sustainability. And through that met Michael Judd a couple years ago. And so I, I started working with him and I worked for him for a while before I kind of went off on my own a bit and still do work with him. So he's also in Frederick and was on previous uh, interviews and he wrote the book, Edible Landscaping with a Permaculture Twist. Jesse. Cool. Hi, everybody. My name is Jesse Weiner. I grew up in Tacoma Park, Maryland, so not too far from here, right outside of D.C. I guess similar to Nicole, always had an interest in nature and um, sustainable farming and that type of thing. Um, Right outside of high school, I decided to start doing some landscaping, gardening, so I did that for about six years um, and really started to get more involved, hands-on, working with plants and nature. Um, Went through a similar sort of like angry phase, realizing all of these problems. And landscaping and gardening, just being so in touch with plants and the landscape made me realize, you know, there were these tangible ways to sort of fix some of these problems. And then I sort of started hearing about permaculture, um, started being connected to sort of these larger permaculture networks. And about three years ago, I met a group of really cool, like-minded people who were looking for some property in the area to start doing serious permaculture practicing and farming and that type of thing. And I really started to align with them and started looking at properties with them and, um, So we bought some land in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. So we've all been going out there on the weekends and experimenting with polycultures and a little bit of forest gardening. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at. It's awesome. Diane. 
Hi, my name is Diane Bluest. I'm the oldest one here by far, I, <laughs> which colors the way that I will talk about permaculture. I um, spent years uh, in the Foreign Service and lived in Western Europe for 15 years. I've always been interested in the environment and try, you know, I've tried to be a good environmental steward. And I retired many years ago and have done a whole bunch of things since retiring. But one of them was um, to become the head of an organization called Sustainable Reston. And that brought me through the sustainability movement to permaculture. I met some very interesting people at George Mason um, University down in Fairfax and signed up for the permaculture design course and took that in uh, 2013 and decided that what I wanted to do with the rest of my life was kind of leave an example of how we can manage our life on this earth to make the earth better, regenerate the earth, and leave an example, uh, hopefully leave the world in a better place for all of you youngsters. So I have a small uh, permaculture homestead between Harpers Ferry and um, Shepherdstown, and I'm doing all kinds of fun stuff there. Have a uh, a new house that was just built, and it's uh, not totally passive solar, but it's fairly energy efficient. I think my last electric bill, and it's all electric, was $18. So I've got solar panels and, and a super insulated house, and so it all goes together. I'm, I'm doing inside, outside, and the, the whole, you know, the homestead itself will be hopefully self-sustaining or at least, least self-reliant in a few years. Ashley. I'm Ashley Davis. I'm, um, I'm originally from Westminster, Maryland, but currently living in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And I am the Shepherdstown herbalist, as far as I know, the only one practicing clinical herbalist. And I started studying permaculture and herbalism concurrently about six years ago. Um, that's when I took my first formal clinical herbal training and my PDC course. And both of those philosophies and, and topics were things I had been interested in for a few years and started doing some self-study while I was still in college. But they really kind of are one and the same to me, you know, because I studied them concurrently and because they both have very similar thought patterns and holistic ways of viewing the world, the ecosystem, the human body. So I'm really fascinated by continuing to find these connections between human body and ecosystem and microcosm and macrocosm. And they're both topics that I'll continue to study for the rest of my life. I don't feel like I've really, I'm an expert in either one, but that's really exciting to be able to have these lifelong pursuits and passions. I find when pursuing permaculture, when that umbrella really opens and we get to see the whole picture how big of a pursuit it is and how we can take just a wee little piece of it and study it for the rest of our lives whether that's your story actually with herbalism or seeing the natural building that emma and greg are doing here with timber framing that each of us can choose a niche and run with it for as long as we wish and being back here in this area is interesting for me because I first started studying permaculture when I worked at a military facility that's located outside of Kearneysville, West Virginia. So being back here and looking around, it's like, wait, this is where it all really started for me. And so as a result of that, for me, permaculture has always had a very human view and that it was about the people who were involved came first to me. And that's kind of what permaculture has become is about building structures that help people and that my love of people is where that 
concern for the earth and everything else comes from. And that's kind of like the why and what of permaculture for me. And a lot of times I ask in these kinds of discussions, you know, how do you define permaculture? But in this case, being so close to the place that kind of started for me this path, I was wondering if each of you might address the question of what permaculture means to each of you within the place that you inhabit and the work that you do. When I first started learning about permaculture, it was sort of amazing. I mean, it was sort of like surreal because it just combined a lot of things that I was already thinking about. But once starting to tap into permaculture allowed me to, it was sort of like a new lens of being able to see the world. And so it's like, you know, caring for the earth, caring for people um, and creating the surplus. And it was this lens that all of a sudden, once I started diving into it, I could apply towards everything. And admittedly, I mostly apply it to, you know, landscaping and, and that type of thing and farming, but you can apply it to relationships, you can apply it to, to business practices. So for me, it's, it's absolutely creating, solving the, the issues, the sort of modern issues for the earth and how we interact with the earth as people through like being able to see the earth differently as sort of being more part of, part of the planet. Well, I think that one of the things that really struck me most about permaculture when I first entered the PDC was learning about like indigenous cultures and how when we look back, it's pretty much like they were practicing permaculture. It just wasn't defined like that. I had done a lot of reading up on like hunter-gatherer peoples when I was in college. And uh, I think that was what almost like finally I was like, yes, this is it. Permaculture, this is the answer because it actually like rang true to how people used to survive for like, you know, thousands and thousands of years before the sort of civilization arose. So for me, it is permaculture is like how to live and it encompasses everything about how we live. So it is how we preserve our food and not just how we grow it. You know, it's how like communities interact. So I would just say to me, it means, you know, how to live essentially. I guess I kind of view permaculture as a way out of the modern problems that we've created with our fossil fuel dependent society and all the problems that we've brought about and are now putting on the shoulders of our children and grandchildren. And I I think it is really a way that we can change our relationship with the earth to what it should be, to, you know, what the native peoples had a long time ago and really move into a um, happier, healthier society, a better community. Um, And I certainly, I know that uh, with my permaculture experiences, the building of the community, as you said, is really, really important. It's important to me, and it seems to be one of the happiest places that I get to in permaculture. I think if I had to pick one word for what permaculture is to me, it would be a lens, a way of thinking about the world or a way of viewing the world. When I first got interested in permaculture, I was more interested in the techniques. You know, I I wanted to know how to grow more food and how to do it in a more light manner, you know, trying to find strategies for living as lightly on the earth as possible. And that certainly is a huge part of permaculture. But I think what struck me most deeply from my PDC course was the concept of the problem is the solution and just like the way that we frame the problem by calling it a problem is that is the problem. You know, it's all about the way that we perceive things and the solution is always inherent within that. So that just like kind of blew my mind and opened me up to 
seeing things that I was pretty judgmental about and made me pretty angry and was able to have a lot more compassion for them and to kind of think outside the box. Um, I think a lot of what permaculture, what's so great about permaculture is it is innovative and um, there's a lot of room for experimentation and play, you know, and I think that's the most important thing that we can do as permaculturists or followers of this permaculture movement is um, to stay open to play and experimentation because that's how we're going to come up, continue to innovate these new strategies and techniques. So holistic framework, thinking about the world. And right now, I just sold my house this summer and went about four weeks ago, moved off of my land. So right now, permaculture has very little to do with growing food. For many years, it had a huge focus on growing food and growing medicine. So right now I get to play with the other applications of the permaculture principles and I'm focusing more on permaculture of the internal landscape. And that's really exciting. Maybe we can talk more on that. I don't know that I could articulate everything quite yet. Maybe we'll get there, but being able to focus those those same principles on myself is helping to open open doors. So it's just a way of thinking and a way of life for me. And you mentioned, Ashley, that you first came to this, you know, kind of focusing on the techniques. And it's one of the things that I know that for my first two or three years as a permaculture practitioner, it was all technique focused because that's what I could see. And then I reached a point where I was like, okay, well, I, I know how to dig a swale. I know how to build a Hugo culture. I know how to do all these things that everybody's talking about. But I haven't really gotten to dig into the principles and the ethics in a way that I could really see the world as a permaculture practitioner. I could do some on-the-ground systems design based around, well, where do I place things, but I couldn't look at it from the top down. I went through then a transition of moving away from permaculture as a land-based practice to a landless view of it. And in that, found some of that compassion, found some space then in order to work with others to understand that, as Larry Santoyo says, and I quote over and over again just because I love it, that Within permaculture, the garden is the metaphor. It's the place that we start because it provides us a common language to talk about. But there comes a certain point as practitioners where we kind of have to move away from that in order to grow our practice into whatever it is. And even though we might do landscape practices or farming, even in doing so, we have to make it bigger. It has to become more than just that to really embody what it is that permaculture is. And I was wondering if any of you might be open to speaking about how you went through that transition from those early days of permaculture as a land practice to these other places of applying it to the self because of a lot of that conversation within the community over the last couple of years about permaculture as an internal almost meditative practice about changing ourselves to change the world around us as we're asked to be leaders even though we're we might think well i've i've never led before but here i am doing these things and people are turning to me asking for answers or to show them a new way and if any of you have experienced that and might be able to speak to it having to kind of involuntarily move off of my land and into this landless state of existence right now. Um, that's really what's prompted me to focus more on the, the internal landscape and the, the other applications. I'm also going through a transition of trying to pick my business up a few notches. And so I'm thinking about permaculture principles as it relates to economics and business. And so some of the principles that come to mind 
that I find myself like having to remind myself of are observe and interact, always, always coming back to number one and just constantly making adjustments and trying not to impose my own desires onto the situation. So permaculture, a land-based practice would, would be not wanting to impose your desires on a landscape, but let the landscape kind of tell you what what it needs and requires and have kind of a co-creative process in creating an ecosystem. But with when the land is taken away, that is also very helpful in any situation. And it's a very spiritual practice. Most spiritual traditions have some teaching along these lines of just kind of letting go and going, learning to go with the flow, learning to accept feedback, apply self-regulation and accept feedback. I forget which number that principle is. Number five. So I, I also noticed this summer, especially my tendencies to want to like dream really big and kind of cram everything under one roof. And so I'm having to remind me to apply uh, self-regulation and small and slow solutions start small. Those systems are easier to manage. And just remembering to be a good steward of yourself and take care of yourself, give yourself space, give yourself time. That's what comes to mind for me. Anybody else? Um, I think I kind of probably am on the reverse or the backward slope of that. I started uh, being more self-reflective and working with sustainability and really doing all of my reflection about where we were as a society, which was very bothersome to me. And so I came to permaculture as a way to find solutions to that. And I'm still at that land-based part of the permaculture. I just I just bought the property last year and started things. And so I'm finding that I'm really in that observation state, even though I thought that I had observed everything just in five minutes of looking at the property. But now I'm, I'm doing a whole bunch of changes. But yeah, I, I did the, the inner reflection, the meditation on why I was doing this much earlier in the process. So I, I guess I'm just the opposite of what everyone else is experiencing. I guess one way, and I'm definitely still very much in the process of like moving from seeing permaculture as purely a technique-oriented like design process to more being able to apply it to like greater areas of my life. But I guess one of the ways that I started noticing was when I first got into permaculture, it was very much like, oh, this is just this compilation of all my favorite techniques and ideas just sort of mashed together. Um, and I think one of the things that really started... I started noticing when I would have conversations with people about permaculture as a farming mechanism um, that there was always this argument of like, well, permaculture isn't going to feed the world. And it's this sort of idea of that, oh, well, we could just replace all of the fields with permaculture fields, but then you're still left with this, we're still in the same, there needs to be this like paradigm shift. There needs to be a shift in consciousness with the way we perceive food, how we value food, how we value the community revolved in, you know, making food and eating food. And so starting to notice that, like, oftentimes we start from the very bottom, start working way up and realize that we need to step back and see that there's, like, a much greater shift that needs to take place. And definitely for me personally, especially this past summer, going through major sort of upheavals in my personal life, I sort of found myself 
finding a lot of comfort in the thought of permaculture and of as much more being able to apply it in that meditative sense. And I actually found myself at one point, I was like in this cafe waiting for a friend. And I started really thinking about all of the things that are important in my life and started sort of creating a zone map on a, on a napkin and just like relationships, school, food, and sort of figuring out where I was in the middle of that and how things could overlap and how I could how I could form myself to be more resilient in the same way as a garden. You know, a resilient garden has biodiversity, it has redundancy, so if something gets taken out, there's something else to take the place. Realizing that, like, I didn't have that in my life, so being able to apply that to me personally has been pretty powerful. What everyone else said definitely struck a lot of notes with me. I think I definitely have started to really kind of be like, yeah, I think I got this whole kind of landscape thing down and I'm always still learning, but I have been looking beyond a little bit and more on one side, a kind of personal reflection and internal, how does permaculture kind of relate to my inner like health and everything like that. And then also looking at it in a more bigger picture, like now that I kind of have somewhat of a handle on like what I'm doing, what's the next step to actually kind of make a difference um, and on a larger scale. So like internally, I think a lot of what you said, Ashley said really rung true about sort of letting things go. I've always been like one of those super kind of hardworking, gotta like accomplish a lot of stuff, gotta like prove, I don't know, prove what I can do kind of person. And uh, so there's, I think that's kind of tied up in like just the anxiety that everyone has of like the things that society says that we need to do with our lives and what we need to accomplish. And I think I'm just trying to be more aware of that, more observational of what kind of actually really matters in, in my life. Um, so I think that's been a big part of sort of, I don't know, my, everyone's going through that all the time, but I've been trying to let go of the anxiety of all the stuff that doesn't matter. And then also on the larger scale, I'm not really sure exactly what the answer is, but you know, just been kind of thinking a lot lately about how permaculture gets bigger and like what are actual big changes, because there are definitely lots of people who are on a sort of mind frame that, that we are, but there's so many people that are on the total opposite and have no awareness and also people who are in really tough situations and have no time to even try to be aware. And there's such a, so much infrastructure existing that is so destructive. So I don't really know exactly what the answers are, but I think that in permaculture, people do, I think we need to start kind of taking the next step and continue to educate people about techniques, but move forward in thinking about bigger picture. You mentioning Michael Judd, it's one of the things that I like about his book because it provides a space for people to begin. Here's a, a simple technique that you can just jump into, go. And whether it's mushrooms or wanting to do a, a fruit tree guild or start a small front yard garden, his book has all that stuff to get people started. But it's something that Wilson Alvarez and I have talked about at length in the central Pennsylvania permaculture community is that 90% of the books that are out there on permaculture are just techniques. There are very few. I mean, Holmgren's is a good one that gets to the philosophical core of it. But many of the materials that we have available to us don't touch on these big picture ideas. And it's been a transition for me and why I like to have these kinds of conversations and I'm focusing on these more as a podcaster and with this show is because there are lots of people who are doing great gardening material and talking about all these really basic ideas, but it's how do we make it bigger, as you say. And it was in doing the interview with David Holmgren several years ago. His perspective was not to mainstream it, but to make the people who we're in touch with a little bit bigger. Find those people who are on the fence and expand our zone one, our zone two, to reach more folks. And that's a lot of where I've been looking lately about how do we create community? How do we bring people together? And looking to my own family, it's what well, we came together around food and beer and storytelling and adding those kinds of things to life to be able to bring more people to us rather than 
as you were saying early, Ashley, about imposing ourselves on others. And I know that when I got out of a PDC, I felt like some kind of a permaculture evangelist. And I just wanted to run out there and, and sprinkle people with seeds and fermented goodies and be like, here, be saved, be healed and join us. And then I realized that, well, that's assault and people wouldn't have liked it too much. But, but with those, I, those ideas of making it bigger, you're all in an area that I don't inhabit that often. I'm very much, you know, digital and with my local group of people in central Pennsylvania, being here in Western Maryland and West Virginia, in your times of practicing permaculture and also your practices actually as an herbalist, what kind of changes have you seen in your years of doing this? Are you finding that more people are interested in learning more and getting engaged in doing workshops? And like at what level are you finding people who come in? Are they just kind of showing up because they want the class or are they really coming in and getting engaged? Well, I would say there's definitely an increasing interest for sure. And maybe like the most relevant way that I can kind of look at it is like clients that I have for landscaping. They come to it from all different sort of angles and all different kinds of backgrounds. A common thing is that people are interested in dealing with stormwater. People are interested in natives. That's one kind of avenue that people kind of tend to come to wanting to create a permaculture-based landscape. And then some people just really want to grow food. Uh, Some people want to grow medicine. So I think that what you're saying before, how it's like a permaculture is like a niche kind of culture. That's really important because people come to it from all different angles because it makes people feel like they're included already with what they're doing because a lot of people are and they just don't even know it. So that would be kind of, I guess, my perspective on things are picking up and I think we need to sort of embrace all the different angles that people might have to get more people involved. When I was doing landscape gardening, I was working almost solely in the District of Columbia. And definitely, I started seeing a huge rise in interest in like urban farming. And oftentimes, even though permaculture can be applied to pretty much anything, farming, gardening is such a perfect place to start. I think with a lot of people, that's probably where it did start. So... I've definitely noticed a huge increase. And just using, just the word permaculture has now been this thing where I'll be having a conversation with somebody and I sort of want to bring it up just to see if they've like heard about it before. And a lot of times they will first, they'll be like, oh, you mean permaculture? Like, yes, awesome. And all of a sudden it's this way of like, it's like there's been, you know, some neuron connection that's now just opens up the possibility for conversation. It's like knowing another language almost, just going back to sort of that lens of looking at things. But in terms of getting everybody I think things like this are really important because so far these types of things have been the only way that I've had of really connecting with other people who are maybe interested in permaculture or practicing in permaculture but are coming from different perspectives. This and like maybe like naturalist oriented things. I'll share a little story. Um, I just built this house and so it has, you know, big solar array and solar hot water heater and a greenhouse inside the the garage and uh, some gentleman came to work on the house let's see he was oh he had to take out the front porch because the slab cracked so he pulled up good old West Virginia guy accent as thick as you could you know wish and he said so I see you have a greenhouse and I thought well how did he know that I've got a greenhouse in the garage and I said what and he said well it's green you've got those solar panels you've got this you've got that and I said yeah I do and he said and so I said yeah I'm, I'm doing a permaculture homestead here and he said that is so cool I love permaculture and I just about fell over I mean I really just about fell over and he said do you have any goji berries and I just, 
I know, I was just, I was dumbfounded. And so, in fact, I, I hope I haven't lost his email. His name is Buddy. And he said, now, I'll come back anytime and help you. He said, I don't, I don't want any money for it. I want to come and learn from you. And I was just, I was just, I was almost moved to tears. But anyway, it was a, it was a great experience. That's an awesome story. I've definitely noticed that more and more people are familiar with the word permaculture, but that a lot of people still don't really know what it is. You know, it's it's kind of becoming a buzzword, but still very misunderstood. And I don't design, I don't do permaculture professionally. I, um, I don't, I'm not very active in that world. Aside from once a year, I co-teach a introduction to permaculture retreat with some friends at Rolling Ridge Retreat Center. And the difference between last year's retreat and this year's retreat was pretty great, just in the number of participants. And also, we did a poll the very first night asking people what they thought permaculture was before we attempted to define it for them. And last year, people, you know, typical like something to do with organic gardening but not really sure I don't know why I'm here really and this year most people also said yeah I know it has to do with organic gardening and I still don't really know why I'm here but I felt called to do this but they had a just a slightly deeper you know it wasn't just I think it has to do with organic gardening they they were able to identify that had to do with landscape design and maybe mention a few more techniques but I think we I think we do have a long way to go in kind of taking us to that next level of getting beyond just the techniques. And those are a great entry point, like a really great ambassador to get people engaged and excited about what they can do with it. But I think in order to, to really grow and deepen the movement, those of us who are committed to these ideas of permaculture just need to keep on doing it and living it and inviting other community members to come and help us you know, do these perma blitzes, um, come over and have our wildcrafted teas or homemade jams and um, have bonfires and try to build community and introduce more of the lifestyle in a, in a less kind of formal way. And then on the, the other side, as far as like reaching more of the masses goes, I was just listening to a Jeff Lawton video where he was talking about the tipping point have you anybody seen that one yet? And he was talking about reaching this critical mass in order to really, like, the tipping point is when the revolution kind of takes on a life of, on, of its own and, and has enough momentum to really take you somewhere. And he said that the tipping point is somewhere between 12 and 18% of the population. And just based on my little like cross-section of this part of the world, I'd say that we're probably close to 8% from like people that I meet in daily life who have heard of that word, you know? So that's, that's pretty hopeful. We're, I think we're getting there. We just need to keep on doing what we're doing and again, keep playing and experimenting and building communities so we can all kind of move deeper into it. I'm very thankful to hear what all of you had to say about this region because for many years from the time that I came to permaculture in 2010 kind of professionally after having looked at it for many years in central Pennsylvania permaculture was kind of a dirty word and I know with many people who have been practicing permaculture since the 80s Dave Jackie brings this up often with having written edible forest gardens because he didn't want permaculture to be on the cover because it was a term that did not at the time have a good connotation to it. 
But now Dawa Ryan releases her book on beyond the war on invasive species. And the subheading for that is about a permaculture perspective on restoration. You know, permaculture is on the cover. And I know a lot of rewilders and wildcrafters who are like, I have to read this book. I have to see what she has to say. And yet I know that I still carry some of that baggage from those early days of when permaculture was one of those terms I didn't want to raise. And I know a lot of people who are not using permaculture as a term which was interesting for me to hear from you, Jesse, about how you don't bring it up. You're kind of talking about these ideas, then somebody kind of mentions it, and you're like, yes, because it's a really big shift. And I've heard that idea of a tipping point in conversation with David Holmgren and then also Karin Olson Ramanujan that we need like 10% of people to be practicing, but around 30% of people to have heard about it because then it's common enough that we just think about it. It becomes a regular part of conversation, the people around us. And that if we can reach those places, then we've won. And it sounds like that growth is kind of finally there and that impetus is there. And I can I can step out of the shadows and kind of push that perspective a bit more and be able to engage people openly about permaculture because of how much people are coming to it. And my follow-up question that I had for you, which I feel was kind of answered, but I want to open the floor to it anyway, is that it sounds like for each of you, the way that we continue to engage is to inhabit this niche of permaculture because by having it as a niche, by having it as this kind of funny word, actually gives us a place to engage, that because it's a little bit different and not mainstream in a way that like alternative medicine is becoming, that many communities with like herbalism and things are becoming more and more that now you can go and buy remedies at the grocery store and things like that, that while we still inhabit this niche, it provides a place for us to go out and reach out to others because there's still enough of an interest and it's different enough. Do you think that that's kind of fair to continue to inhabit our niche boldly in order to build community? Or would you suggest some other avenues as well? I think it's important at this point to stay kind of united on that word because it has so much of like a basis of already defined of like what it means. And I was going to say, it kind of got me thinking earlier just about the local food movement on its own has gotten, I think, really big. I would say it's it's like in that region of like that tipping point kind of thing. And You know, not all local food is, like, a lot of it's not permaculture-based still. There's lots of, like, especially orchards are using lots of chemicals and and everything. But I think that people are embracing local food for the same reasons that they would embrace permaculture. So I think, like, movements like that and alternative medicine are things that we need to kind of, like, grab onto and, like, kind of web our way into making local food more permaculture-based, for instance, and kind of taking advantage of existing, like, the work that has already been done to get people interested in that. I think that hits the nail on the head. I think the local food movement is a perfect analogy for for people who aren't familiar with, you know, permaculture applied to like farming or garden design, that it's essentially, you know, the idea of local food, the idea of locally produced anything is keeping the resources and community in the same place instead of having one company that's, you know, keeping their profits in another country and you know basically sucking out resources so you have this output being able to teach people that okay one this is good because the resources financially are being kept within the community and people are interacting more but then applying that to actual practices farming and other businesses as well that's really important back to community one of my steps along my road to permaculture was the transition town movement that rob hopkins started in england probably 10 years ago now. But that to me is just, obviously he's a permaculture designer, so it's it's not surprising that his whole approach is is somewhat permaculture-based. But that to me is where we need to be going. I think enough people now understand that we're in pretty dire straits. I get that from 
from people from no matter what their political view is, no matter what their station in life is, everybody is concerned about where we are. And I think that permaculture is a part of the solution to get out of that feeling of despair, which you see in so many people in so many walks of life. And so it's all about community for me. Well, I was going to comment on the idea of, you know, do keeping the word permaculture. And, and I agree with Nicole that right, right now it serves a purpose of keeping us united. You know, it's still a young enough movement that it, I think it's very useful to kind of lay out a common framework and a common language for us to all work with. But I think the goal is to eventually outgrow that word. And I already feel like we're outgrowing it because it's gotten too big. Like it's it's a little too hard to define and I think can be off-putting to a lot of people for that reason. Um, not that we have to get rid of it altogether, but maybe there could be some more specific like subcategories or something. I don't know. That we might have permaculture as an umbrella for the people who are currently already engaged, but that we can start moving towards things like natural building, clinical herbalism, and other... Right. And well, and going back to the local food idea, you know, like, how do you, how do you apply permaculture to large-scale farms? I think what Mark Shepard is doing is really exciting, but it's not... I think a, a lot of people would get intimidated, farmers especially, of how to get themselves to that point. I think the local food movement, the organic food movement, could, would definitely benefit from adopting a more holistic permaculture framework and a lot of those techniques. But how do we do that without scaring people away and, and making them think that they have to incorporate natural building and gray water and giving them shame for using tractors and... Yeah, everything at once. And again, I guess it's just trying to embody these principles and do what you can and trying really hard not to have judgment towards anybody. I noticed myself when I first came out of my PDC course, I started off as an organic vegetable farmer in Vermont, but it was a moderately sized farm that used tractors and organic sprays and they tilled their fields and they didn't grow any perennials and you know and I just remember feeling really bad about myself after coming out of this class like well now I can't go back to that what do I do but you speak to something that I know I've encountered time and time again within my own movement throughout permaculture because you specifically actually mentioned about how you're not doing a lot of design or on the ground permaculture work and that's something that I've gone through a lot because I sit here with a microphone in my hand recording this conversation and how do we then work with that to still continue to engage people where they're at as you say not to pass those judgments but to go okay how do we move that a little and I know one of those pieces for me has been just talking with people at my farmer's market about what are your farming practices who sprays who doesn't who uses integrated pest management in order to reduce their pesticide needs and things like that. And then as a consumer, because I don't grow all my own food and I don't feel that I ever will, to use what capital I have to move the conversation by voting with my dollars. How do each of us take those kinds of actions to work from the place that we inhabit while also helping others on the path that they're on without imposing ourselves or inflicting ourselves on them? And it can be hard. 
I know that I'm not good at it as much as I try. Having come from a background of, as I say, I worked in a military facility. I have my first degree was in computer science, which Nicole, something that you said earlier about, you know, always being busy, always doing things. That's what I'm used to. And it can be really hard to slow down or to accept the path that others are on and go, okay, that's where they're at. I can still move at a super fast pace and be okay with it, but sometimes I have to slow down too and be able to inhabit our own place and approach others with compassion and support everyone wherever it is that they're coming from. That uh, brings up the the principle of diversity, you know, to value diversity. Not everybody is supposed to be a producer. That would be a very unbalanced ecosystem. We can't all be out there growing food and shouldn't all be out there growing food. We all need to be true to ourselves and our own talents and follow our own impulses and desires and make space for other people to do the same. I think that puts it perfectly. It's like we have to start thinking of permaculture as our permaculture design map is the world and that we're all playing this specific part in the map in specific gardens. Because yeah, just as Nicole said, we can't all be producers, but I think that's what's going to be important, you know, moving into the future, I mean, sometimes I've thought I had sort of the same thing coming out of my PDC and oftentimes found myself like passing on judgment to other gardeners, um, other landscapers, other farmers, other people just living sort of being like, well, why aren't they doing what I'm doing? And I clearly wasn't, you know, doing everything perfectly. And then sometimes I've thought like, well, if everybody had the same garden that I had, like we would have way too much lovage. We would not have enough tomatoes, <laughs> way too many radishes, like all these things. So clearly there's so much diversity and we should be really valuing that diversity and really thinking about like, what does local food mean? What does it mean? And like, can we have a farm that, you know, maybe still implements permaculture practices, but has a focus on tomatoes or a permaculture farm, you know, a mile down the road that, you know, is doing aquaculture and having, you know, tilapia fish or something. And so I think that's really important to talk about bigger picture permaculture. There's so much work that needs to be done. And if everyone's out there practicing permaculture and no one's talking about it to other people and spreading the word, then what's the point, you know? So, and I don't know, I think in the permaculture community, even like all the people who come to workshops or clients that I work with and stuff, I've really learned to just like have so much more kind of openness to respecting the skills that people have, because there are so many skills I don't have. And they may look to me as like this person who's come here to talk about all the stuff that they want to learn. And they think maybe I know more than them, but maybe I know more than them about like one specific thing. But Diane is really awesome at fermenting and like she can make like pickles and stuff. Like everyone just has so many different skills. And uh, I think that part of permaculture is like you said, letting people kind of be themselves and healthier people embracing the things that they're good at that are also helping the community is all part of the bigger picture. Thank you. I, I had a I opened a thing of mushy pickles yesterday. <laughs> so sometimes sometimes it doesn't work all all that well. But um, I think any way we can get the word out, no matter if it's about permaculture or other skills that we're going to need to um, survive or that or future generations are going to need to survive. I think that's a good thing. I mean, I just, I guess I'm a natural born teacher and I didn't know that for many years, but the last four or five years I've been teaching food preservation. And that's kind of one of the things that I do to help build community. And I'm going to start doing it up here now that I'm here. It's very important to pass these skills on. So permaculture skills, other life skills, they all fit together for me in a, in a a way to live better on this earth. And that was part one of the Riverside Project Roundtable. Join me again in two weeks on October 22nd for the second half of this conversation, which includes members of the audience joining in, 
and when I'll share my thoughts and comments about everything covered in these two segments. Opportunities like this trip to West Virginia depend on the support of listeners and the sponsorship of people doing good work, such as Jen Mendez at Permi Kids. In addition to our own podcasts that explore the topics of children, permaculture, and education, which I recommend you check out if your life involves any of these three subjects, she also offers a number of courses on educational design, an ongoing series of edge alliances, topical webinars with featured guests, and personal consultations. Recently, she added a series of electronic campfires to her repertoire in cooperation with Dr. David Blumenkrantz and the Center for Youth and Community that expands on the recent conversation I had with her and David on youth and community development and rites of passage. Find out more at permikids.com or via the links in the show notes. Should you decide to join in on any of these courses or other offerings, know that Jen has extended a 10% discount off of her courses and other materials to Patreon supporters of this show. You'll find a link to that Patreon campaign on the page for this episode. From here, next week, on October 15th, is a conversation with Joshua P. Seeker. What started as a casual, kind of get-to-know-one-another discussion, resulted in a broad-ranging interview about permaculture, creating opportunities, using financial capital to make a difference, and assisting our friends and neighbors. Joshua also donated a permaculture design course that will be taught at his farm in Costa Rica to the podcast, which you can enter to win. Find out complete details by visiting thepermaculturepodcast.com and clicking on the Costa Rica tab. After the next roundtable discussion in three weeks, on October 29th, Lisa Rose, author of Midwest Foraging, joins me to share her story. November 5th, I speak with Josh and Derek of the Gibbs House Project at Western Michigan University to talk about how they're bringing sustainability and permaculture to campus. In between those regular, long-format episodes, there are also some permabites that'll be scattered about. If along the way you have questions for me, a past guest, or just want to know more about permaculture or talk about the path you're on, get in touch with me. My email and the phone line are always open. So write to show at thepermaculturepodcast.com or call 717-827-6266. If you're so inclined and you'd like to drop something in the mail, be it a postcard or a letter, I do love opening my mailbox and finding those notes from you there. That address is the Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. Until the next time, Spend each day creating the world you want to live in by taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.